District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. I have a short but sweet episode for you, dear listeners, today, and it's about one of my favorite topics, the Antiquities Act, which does have some intertwining with 30 by 30 and other public lands issues, but I have long advocated for more transparency with national monument designation. So national monuments, if you don't know, are kind of a second tier public land in terms of restrictive use of what can happen. National monuments have also been traditionally welcoming of hunting and fishing activities, but in many recent designations we've seen under largely Democratic administrations, formerly Obama, now under Biden, we've seen that a lot of these national monuments do not honor wildlife management decisions when they are designated. So I have questions about that from that angle. I also think a president shouldn't be able to unilaterally designate a monument. I think even though he has a president rather has unilateral power to designate, it is long overdue for Congress to kind of clamp down on what type of authority he can have here. It doesn't mean the president shouldn't designate. I think a president can designate whether it's a woman or a man, what have you thinking in the future. But I think we need to clarify how big of a national monument size in particular a president can designate in the Antiquities Act itself, Section 2 of the law, it states that national monuments have to be small areas compatible. Small areas compatible hasn't been properly defined or honed in on. We don't know if that means a million acres. Is that small area compatible? Or does that mean 50,000 acres? What have you? And so Democratic presidents have largely misconstrued small area compatible section two of the Antiquities Act to mean they can designate whatever the hell they want. And that has made a lot of people on the ground, especially in red states with a lot of public lands that should be open to multiple uses, very nervous and concerned and appalled that a president can have so much authority here. On the flip side of this issue, many people have misconstrued that presidents can actually downscale and downsize monuments too. We have seen presidents even those outside of President Trump, downsize monuments. I think there have been five other attempts of downsizing monuments, and they never received a lot of controversy like President Trump's downsizing of Bears Ears and a few others did. And so there has to be a discussion in Congress and reforms in Congress to narrow down what a small area compatible is. Can a president just unilaterally say a million acres here becomes a national monument? What are they setting up the national monument to be? A national park? Should every national monument become and graduate to a national park? No. It doesn't mean they're less beautiful, they're not worthy of such a designation, but if everything is being teed up to become a national park to prevent, let's say, mining or grazing or even hunting and fishing, that's a political weaponization of the Antiquities Act, and that is not what it's intended to do, to just tee up everything to become a national park. I think that's a disservice to the National Park Service and national parks, the 63 national parks we have because those are crown jewels. And I don't want to see certain things be misconstrued and continue to be misconstrued in this light and also the public not having access to public lands. Again, paradoxical sounding, but this is what we see these preservationists do all the time. 
Which leads me to, now that I've given you a crash course on the Antiquities Act, National Monuments, to this reform from congressional Republicans. I will go into detail again what some of these previous proposals look like and contrast it with these new kind of reforms that are being considered that they want to present and introduce into Congress. And let me read for you what that looks like. So this comes from Congressman John Curtis of Utah, who represents Bears Ears, believe it or not. And in a press release for the legislation relating to the Antiquities Act in terms of congressional oversight. So the press release from Congressman Curtis says, Congressional oversight aims to protect public lands and communities. This was dated and introduced in September, September 15th, 2023. On the 14th, Congressman Curtis and Conservative Climate Caucus Vice Chair Marionette Miller-Meeks of Iowa introduced the Congressional Oversight of the Antiquities Act legislation that requires congressional approval for any designation of national monuments. Senators Mike Lee, Jim Risch, Dan Sullivan, Ted Cruz, and Mitt Romney introduced companion legislation in the U.S. Senate. It is abundantly clear Congress must prevent more abuses by the Antiquities Act that go against the will of impacted communities, said Representative Curtis. There is no question we can protect our public lands, but that should not only be done but that should only be done with broad buy-in and collaboration. This legislation will ensure proper accountability and sustainability of our shared lands. We must preserve the use of federal lands for responsible recreational, agricultural, and energy use, said Representative Miller-Meeks. For years, the Obama and Biden administrations used the Antiquities Act to institutionalize massive executive overreach, seizing acres and acres of land without consequence. In some congressional districts, almost 80% of all rural land is set aside as public or federal land. The Congressional Oversight of the Antiquities Act would curb excessive overreach and require the administration to consult Congress before making rash decisions about our federal lands. Senator Lee is also quoted here saying the text of the Antiquities Act was clear to protect significant archaeological and historic sites, but to do so with discretion and to ensure that the designated area was confined to the smallest size necessary for their protection. Regrettably, we have seen designations that far exceed this directive, impacting millions of acres and the lives of many in the West. My bill aspires to bring clarity and balance to this process, honoring both our historic legacy and the voices of affected communities. And the press release says that the Congressional Oversight of the Antiquities Act includes co-sponsors, including Congressional Western Caucus Chairman Dan Newhouse, uh, Guy Reschenthaler of Pennsylvania, Tom McClintock of California, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Cliff Benz of Oregon, Matt Rosendale of Montana, Burgess Owens of Utah, John Rose of Tennessee, Ashley Hinson of Iowa, and Richard Hudson of North Carolina. And I expect this will get more. But here are the two stipulations. Here's what they want in terms of congressional oversight. Requires congressional approval of presidential declarations within six months or before the end of the last session of Congress it was introduced, whichever comes first. And if the legislation is not approved by Congress, the monument cannot be designated again by the president for 25 years. This is a little bit different than some of the kind of congressional oversight that has been recommended before. And there were two bills in 2016, 2017. And I want to read from a unicorn fact check I did for Independent Women's Forum about presidential authority regarding Antiquities Act designations of national monuments. And the reforms previously looked like this and sadly haven't gone anywhere. But I think they do bring some accountability if you want to pursue a Antiquities Act National Monument designation. What some of these reforms have looked like previously, one bill had said that 
representatives would have to attain congressional approval, approval from affected state legislatures, and proof of certification of compliance with NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, before proceeding. And if you don't know, actually, there are two states that are exempted from presidential authority with respect to designating national monuments, and those are Alaska and Wyoming. Yet we see the Biden administration try to assert itself in these states in many ways, whether it's restricting energy development, what have you, or even other types of activities that are not extractive or not so-called consumptive uses. But this is an interesting reform. Maybe we will have some of the sponsors on the podcast to discuss this, but I'm going to explore this a bit more in detail. And I think it could be a small step forward in reforming the Antiquities Act, clarifying what and how big a national monument a president can designate because it's really needed. What happens right now is largely undemocratic. You have environmental groups who will directly pitch the president and say, Mr. President, I have a national monument in mind. I'm pitching you directly and you need to do this or else we won't give to your campaign. That's probably what's part of the discussion too because the groups that are petitioning the president are usually his big millionaire supporters in the environmental movement, Sierra Club, Earth Justice, Center for Biological Diversity, and other entities that have been able to influence and sue and settle and force kind of lawsuits to force behaviors rather from threatening to sue for them to agree with the administration. So they work in sync, but these groups largely are influencing these monument designations. You have some other smaller entities too who maybe go into it with good reasons and good intentions, but a lot of these bigger groups are the ones who are largely influencing these designations and working in concert with smaller groups on the ground, finding people to align with and, and get this out there. But it becomes undemocratic, these monument designations, when it comes to stakeholder input and what have you, when these groups just petition the president and he's like, okay, you know what? I'm have a monument in mind. I'm going to do this. I don't care what opposition is. I don't care about feedback on the ground. I'm going to do this to, you know, harness my legacy, to show that I'm fighting the climate crisis, what have you. That's what Biden is saying with all these designations. He says it's also part of his 30 by 30 initiative and more. And so the process is largely undemocratic. And I think a congressional reform or congressional clarification, whether it's this one or previous proposals or some iteration of both, is urgently needed so the law works as intended. Everyone can enjoy public lands. And then you don't have the public shut out from opportunities when these monuments are designed to keep people off public lands for multiple uses, which is a common theme of this administration, unfortunately. And historically, yes, monuments have been teed up to become national parks. Most national parks were previously national monuments. That is a common thread. And when done strategically and, and with good intent, I think it's fine. But to basically prepare a national monument designation with the hopes of making it a national park, that's not a good use of the Antiquities Act. Not everything needs to be a national park. Sorry to say that. As a public lands proponent, as a national park fan, I don't think just willy-nilly saying, you know what, this is deserving of national park protections. They can't even manage existing parks. They have terrible, terrible stewardship of money. They're not using money that's been appropriated to them. Uh, they're engaging in political crying sessions in different agencies and they're not stewarding the money as best as they can they can't manage existing parks why were, are we going to make them manage more when they don't have a handle on existing ones and they're also making it harder to access national parks with charging 
fees on top of your entry fee and your pass fee. So I don't trust this administration to do national monuments. I've been highly critical. Yes, it may make me biased and maybe I'm not fair on this issue, but I've done a lot of research. You can scale down national monuments, you can designate monuments, but I think all of us can agree whether you are, you know, for unilateral declaration of national monuments or you're skeptical like me, there has to be some clarification. And even the Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts said this issue might come before us in a future Supreme Court case and presidential authority needs to be checked. I'm merely paraphrasing him, but even the Supreme Court has said we may have to wrestle with this issue and presidential authority is too gargantuan, too vast, needs to be clarified. So this issue is going to, I think, creep into the mainstream media, creep into public discussion and discourse a lot more and People need to understand what this is. We try to deconstruct it here on District of Conservation. And I think this will help the integrity of public lands and keeping them accessible to the public. Because like I've mentioned, you have people who say we're for public lands, but yet they support cutting access to hunters and anglers, removing accessories or what is permitted like lead and phasing them out and making it more expensive to access public lands, thereby limiting a person's access by making it economically difficult for them to purchase the essentials that will make it possible for them to go on public lands. So you're pricing them out of these activities and opportunities to go on public lands. That's what the intent is here. And making it harder for people to do certain things. We're also going to discuss one day, this is somewhat related, but another attack to outdoor recreation. We all love to photograph national parks monuments, what have you. And I film a lot on national parks and monuments and something we'll talk about more in depth later is kind of a proposal. It's a bipartisan proposal to clarify what a commercial versus recreational film project looks like, because I'm seeing some changes on this from the Biden administration quietly responding to a court case, which says there are no first amendment protections. If I understood the case correctly, filming on public lands, which is ridiculous if we're talking about that. But there is a bill to say that here's what a commercial film project looks like. Not everything should be constrained. And there shouldn't be the standard that you filming on your phone and posting it with the potential for you to make money is a commercial project. It's it's a very broad standard what can be considered potentially a commercial film project. It's very clear what a commercial film project is, but I'm worried that this administration will use a standard like this, this kind of hypothetical situation I just mentioned, and say that you filming on public lands could be a commercial project if you even appear to make some sort of money off social media, which is such a terrible standard to go off of. It's It can be easily challenged and debunked. But th- that clarity of, of filming on public lands also needs to happen um, kind of in line with reforming the Antiquities Act, too. So that's kind of my takeaway of this and any of the staffers of these aforementioned lawmakers listening to the podcast, or maybe you'll stumble upon this. If your boss is interested in speaking with me about why they think this reform can clear uh, kind of a divided Congress, a president who does not want to be, you know, reasonable on these Antiquities Act issues. He is for unilateral declarations, I think, even more than Obama was. And so how are they going to navigate passing this bill? Is this a messaging bill? Does this have any teeth? What's going to happen with this? But I think there are merits to this reform, and I would love one of the sponsors to come on and talk about it with me. Would be fun discussion. 
because this is a really fascinating topic. People here on the East Coast really don't know so much about it, aren't really aware of what's happening. They're like, oh, yay, Biden is doing this, you know, more public lands. But what if you can't access that? Or is it really antiquities they're protecting with these million acre plus designations? Not really. They're just saying everything is an antiquity and and that kind of dilutes what an actual antiquity is. And I, I'll link to my report on the Antiquities Act. I did two videos for Conservation Nation in both Utah and Arizona, laying this out very clearly about the Antiquities Act. And I think you'll find it really interesting because I went to these places. I think Bears Ears should exist. I don't think it should be millions of acres. I was fine with it being shrunk down to a couple hundred thousand acres. I think Utahans there on the ground were accepting of that as well. But now that it's been resized to, I think, 1.4 million, there's going to be legal back and forth about that as well. But I I even visited some of these national monuments. They're great. They have a purpose, but they need to allow multiple uses. And they can't just become, you know, political footballs for Democratic administrations to say they're for public lands and then kick off people and limit opportunities to access these public lands, all the while misconstruing what antiquities are. Let's follow the actual Antiquities Act. Let's modernize it. That's what I think will be welcomed. And then you're going to see less friction out West because we see friction continue to happen whenever these directives from the federal government come in. There's no consultation on the ground. It's just directly soliciting the president, these very powerful, rich preservationist environmental groups soliciting him, and he's made up his mind. And people on the ground, stakeholders who are directly impacted by these decisions are totally sidestepped and caught off guard when these out-of-state interests come into their areas and say, we know what's better for you. You don't do that in the West. You don't come and lecture to the West about what is better for them, especially if you're some out-of-touch, a cellar corridor person whose only experience with the great outdoors is maybe some urban space you deal with. They maybe vacation once a year to a national park or public lands. They love to lecture to people on the ground who live off the land, who may work the lands, there or recreate on the lands, what is best for them. So I think this will bring much balance and I'm curious to see what happens. We're going to keep tabs of this congressional oversight bill regarding the Antiquities Act. And I want you to do your own due diligence and research to see what you think of this as well. But all literature about Antiquities Act stuff is available in the show notes. Good luck with the research and I hope it's helpful. And thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people and I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners and we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.